Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said, fight. You can't fight. He said, withstand. You can't withstand. He said, stand. What does it mean to stand? He said, don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast for us and our granddaddy did it like that. And let's change it just a little bit. You change it and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. My name is David Baker and I have the privilege of being the host and we have a great privilege to have Dr. Bob Gray. I don't know why I say it like that, but ever since uh, we've been friends, anytime I talk to him on the phone or see him, it's always Dr. Bob Gray. So, uh, Gray, good to see you. How are you? You're doing fine, sir. How are you doing? You just got back, huh? Yes, went to conference uh, overnight and just got back. And uh, church, uh, we have Bible study tonight and uh, excited about that. Getting ready to go preach at the jail and uh, show some people how to go to heaven there. So anyway. I just got back from Missouri and uh, just uh, a fellow who started a church 40 years ago in the middle of nowhere. And the building was full of a beautiful auditorium. He, he, he went to Bobby Robertson's and fell in love with that auditorium. He reproduced it. It's amazing. Wow. Uh, that would be neat. So, um, um, all right. So we're going to go in some casual questions first, just about you, if people don't know you and your background, and then we're going to get to our topic for the day. So, uh, tell us about your personal background, where you're from, your work, what you've done and how you got into this, uh, thing called ministry. Well, I was, uh, born to mom and dad who were Arkansas people. I was born in Arkansas. And my dad uh, was not right with God during those days. My mom was. She was a great Christian. Later on, it was her influence that got daddy right with God. But we moved to Michigan when I was five. <clears throat> so I lived 20 years in Michigan, that cold, cold weather, that southwestern part of Michigan. Boy, that snow come off that lake. And you could it could be sunshine and have 12 inches by noon. It was, it was a, uh, amazing. Graduated from high school, played football, had scholarships to play football, love football. It's my besetting sin. So, and, Dr. Gray, let me ask you on that. So, do you sure. love football because you like to hit people? Is that uh, <laughs> no, there's that's something what my, about that's what my critics say? <laughs> that's, there's something about putting that shoulder, you know, right into someone's uh, midsection. There's just something about that. 
<laughs> I was so dumb, Brother Baker, that I didn't know what football was. And I was in junior high and we had a brand new coach. Our high school team had never won a ball game in, I think it was nine years, maybe 10 years. So they got a new coach. And so he uh, was from Michigan State. And he came down to junior high, walked through the hallways of seventh grade and said, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? How fast do you run hundred? He didn't, he didn't ask, how's your mom and your daddy? He doesn't. And, and he put together a junior high team, the seventh grade team. We went undefeated. Our eighth grade, we went undefeated and we went all the way through uh, high school and became state champions. And we only had one touchdown scored against it. Now folks, listen carefully. This is important stuff here. And, uh, <laughs> We, we put a scrub in on a kickoff return, which we should have never done at Bangor, Michigan. And a guy, Jackson, a guy named Jackson, scored a touchdown on it. And that was the only touchdown. We averaged 12 yards per scrimmage allowed. And it was a, every, every starter had a, had a scholarship. But anyway. That's I, amazing. I, I haven't heard, uh, heard that. That's a, those yeah. are incredible stats. Now here you're 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 in for a shock. I'm in the Hall of Fame, Michigan for high school football. So anyway, wow, awesome coaches too, Bill Maskell. I led him to Christ, by the way, uh, Brother Baker. Wow, I wow. was sitting home and my wife and I were talking about how good he was to us and taught us how to work, and he was just solid. And she said, "I wonder if he saved." And it killed me. It sure. killed me. And I got on a plane, bought a ticket, flew to Michigan. Went by his, he'd retired and he was working at a tire store, owned it, in fact. And I went and sat down. He was so glad to see me. We hugged and, and we reminisced a little bit. And I choked up and I said, Coach, I, I, I'm going to heaven when I die and I want to make sure you do. And led him to Christ. He was sitting on an old tire in the back of that tire shop. <laughs> He's in heaven now. But anyway, I, from there, from high school, uh, my wife went off to college and I went off to Michigan State at university and was going to play football for him. But I did not realize how big those guys were. <laughs> I was a dwarf. Now I remember standing in line getting pads and stuff, and the guy in front of me, you, you're not going to know these names, I don't think, but uh, Bubba Smith was in front of me from uh, Beaumont, Texas. He's six foot nine, 280 pounds. Behind me was George Webster, who was also from Texas and uh, was a monster, what they call a monster back. He played for the Oilers for years. Anyway, I'm standing in line. And, and Bubba Smith looks down at me and he said, what position you play? And I, I looked up at him like that. And I said, water boy. <laughs> and, uh, so I was on the third string. We ran around the field while everybody else practiced. We were the, if anybody got hurt, we got dead. But anyway, I tore my knee up and that was over. But when I left Michigan State in 1967, I went to work for General Motors as an accountant. And uh, so that was uh, where I was at for seven years. And then uh, from there, and I was, you have to understand, I was raised in the old American Baptist denomination. I wasn't raised with independent uh, Baptist uh, folk. And then I went to a sword conference in South Bend, Indiana. Charles Davis was the pastor, later became the president of the college in Jacksonville. But a uh, uh, shotgun type church packed out, and I heard John Rice and Jack Howells for the first time. And I cried, and I laughed, and I cried, and I was sitting on the front row. And uh, I, that night I, I dove altar and I said, this is it. I, I, I hang this other stuff. I'm going to give my life to get people saved. And so that was it. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Tell you something interesting. Uh, I called John, I'll how dumb I was. I called John Rice at home and, and got his number and called him. Now this is how dumb I was. 
And I, I told him, I, I said, I, I, I want to give my life full-time service, but I don't feel like I'm called to preach. And uh, he had that marvelous story where he said, well, I wasn't called. I, I volunteered. God didn't stop me. So he said, son, just volunteer. If God wants to stop you, you can. And he's the one who told me to go to Howes Edison College. Uh, and so it was on his recommendation that uh, I already fell in love with Brother House, but I went to, went to college in 1973. Awesome. And then from there, I uh, graduated and uh, been in ministry. How long? What have you done over those uh, years. couple of years? 50 years, my friend, starting April the 2nd. My wife was Dr. Evans' secretary, the chancellor of the college for a while. After I graduated, Brother House called me in and said, I'm going to departmentalize at that time. He said, I'm going to departmentalize all the uh, departments at the college, and I want you to be the head of the Bible department. I graduated summa cum laude, straight A's all the way through, and uh, Dr. Evans recommended that to Brother Hiles. And so that that's my thought. I, honestly, I thought, uh, Brother Baker, that Mrs. Gray and I were going to spend the rest of our life in heaven. And yeah, I really did. And Max Helton was on staff at that time, and he caught me in the hallway. And he said, Brother Gray, there's a church down in Bourbon, Illinois that doesn't have a pastor. Would you fill the pulpit? And I said, sure, I'd be glad to fill it. So I went down and I took my wife. We went down and we filled it. And uh, afterwards, it only had two deacons. And they come to me and said, we want you to candidate. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm here to fill. I'm not here to candidate. No, no, no. We feel like you need. I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested I, at all. I, I said, in fact, fellas, can I be honest with you? I just volunteered. I'm not even sure <laughs> what you mean called. And, no, 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 we want you. So they had me. I went to Dr. Hiles at the uh, Winona Lake Bible Conference. I don't know if you remember. You, that was a big, big deal in Hammond and sword conference. And my wife and I went to that on Monday night. Brother Hiles preached second. He was walking out beneath the tent. And I said, Brother Hiles, can I talk to you for a minute? And he said, sure, Brother Gray. I said, this crazy church down there wants me to candidate. And I don't know how to tell him no. He said, why would you tell him no? Mm. <laughs> I, I said, well, I, I, I don't think God wants me to. He said, well, go, you don't know until you go out and preach. Go preach. And they killed me because I thought he didn't want me. <laughs> wow. So selfish, man. But I went, preached, and they called me a whopping 76%, buddy. I went, I went rolling <laughs> into town, man. <laughs> and how many years were you there? And then uh, how many years in Longview? Four years there, 29 and a half in Longview. And uh, we baptized every Sunday, Brother Baker. Uh, we baptized 540 the last year in that town. Uh, in fact, I was just in uh, Missouri and a Charles and Sherry uh, Rush, R-U-S-H, were in the congregation. They walked up to me after the service and said, do you remember me? And honestly, you know, age, <laughs> I'm sorry. And then she told me her name. I said, yeah, I know who you are. Charles got saved the first Sunday I was there. Wow. And Sherry, and they started a bus route. We had four buses we ran then in Kankakee, Illinois. And sometimes they say, where are they all? Well, I, I get this every everywhere I go. And uh, But anyway, awesome. I, I thought that was interesting. No, that's great. So now um, you're retired. You just play shuffleboard and uh, walk on the beach and uh, just play golf. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> I've written 35 books, Brother Baker. I'm right. I got a new absence coming out hopefully next month. And I'm writing. I remember Brother Hiles saying one time, uh, our men don't write books because they're busy building churches. 
Hmm. Well, my wife's health is horrible. Uh, she's had 50 surgeries. God bless her. And I felt like I need to take care of her. So in 2009, I re didn't resign the ministry. I retired from that and, and went to, to feverishly writing books and putting books out. And I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. I travel every week of the world. Uh, COVID hurt us a little bit. I traveled every week of the world. I win souls everywhere I go. And I see him in the choir when I go back Amen. to the church. I, I see him ushering. I see him. And it's just it's just a, a blessing. Awesome. Before we go on to our topic, uh, if somebody wanted to get your books, where would they go? Uh, what website could they go and see that? Good question. BereanPublications.com. Okay. BereanPublications.com. Yes. Got it. Awesome. All right. So our topic wanted to talk about soul winning and uh, it's amazing <laughs> in our introduction, we already did uh, the conference that you just met and uh, getting to lead your uh, football coach to uh, Christ. And so um, it sounds like it's more than just something you do like uh, an hour a week, but it's more of something that we're supposed to do with our life. Uh, uh, is that how you would uh, describe that? Yeah. You know, I, I've something dawned on me one day. I was at first back uh, my wife sang in a choir next to Mrs. Hiles, and we were we were involved. We were we were involved, but it dawned on me after I left there that he never had churchwide soul winning, and I and I dumb me. It takes me a while to catch on, but I then I I said, oh my goodness, that's that's what made First Baptist Church soul winning. It was the Church of Acts. Every day they won soul, right. but they had no churchwide soul winning. Now they had Fisherman's Club, Foster Club for the college students to help them. So here's what I came up with. And I've been teaching churches this. There is the great commission and there's the great commandment. If you just win souls when it's time for soul winning at the church, then your, your soul winning New Testament is going to have just those dates. You'll have four dates at the end of the month and they're only on Thursday or a Saturday. But I, I came up with this efficiency thing from one of our deacons here. He, he mentioned it to me that the more different dates you have in your New Testament, the more you are really honestly soul conscious. Uh, Mrs. Robinson was our record secretary here. We baptized 4,466 people the last year that I pastored. And 153 of those God allowed me to lead to Christ, pick up and bring to church. But the others came from the dear people in that church. But we had a mailbox, Brother Baker, out by the office area where we had convert slip, people believed by Christ, they'd drop it in that box. Well, Mrs. Robinson was my record secretary. She would clean it out on Monday morning, clean it out on Tuesday, every day like that. And one day we were trying to analyze our soul winning. And uh, she said to me, uh, preacher, there's something that's really interesting here. I said, what? We have more people saved other than Thursday than we have on Thursday. Wow. And I, said, I, and I thought, that's it. That's it. Of course, my influence in Hammond was C.W. Fisk. Mm -hmm. C.W. Fisk was probably the finest sword. Carl Hatch and him, probably the finest I've ever met. Wow. So um, why, very simply, why are we to be soul winners? Well, it's a command. And as not, <laughs> if, I were to say, if I were to say to my son, Scott, he's the youngest, I'll pick on him at home. And I said, son, take the garbage out. And he looked at me and said, I don't have the gifts. Well, you're going to be a gift to the garbage man. <laughs> well, daddy, I'll pray about it. No, I'm going to pray on you. You're going to take that garbage out to the garbage man. So we've come up with these uh, Southwestern seminary uh, colloquialisms, and we've done, we've, we've come up with some stuff that's just really crazy. Um, it's not Bible. 
Right. Uh, everyone's commanded to go. The crazy thing about it is that we're commanded to preach, which means women are commanded to preach. They're not commanded to pastor, but they, they're supposed to preach the gospel just like every other saved person. So it's a command. Amen. It's amazing. Uh, I grew up Southern Baptist was saved and then American Baptist. And, uh, and I thought, if you want to get saved, you go to the church. That's the preacher's job. And then uh, I'm in uh, the army at Fort Bragg and in it for my first independent Baptist church. And, and you realize, wow, this preacher got up and said, how many know you're saved and on your way to heaven? Yep, that's me. How many people know somebody out there that's not saved and not on the way to heaven? You know, I know a lot of guys like that. He said, that's our job. What? Amen. That's Amen. our job. We're supposed to tell them. Well, well I, and then you realize as every man hath received the gift, let him minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's every man. So it's amazing still to see, yeah, I just don't have the gift of soul. <laughs> I've never, it's not in the Bible. It's not there at all. Just like you said, it is a command. It's not a gift. So why um, is someone under such attack? It seems like, you know, I, I, I've really pondered that question a lot. Um, I, I meet young men and, and I talk to them and I wonder what influences they've been under. The thing I would say to young men is look at the direction, look at the destination. Hmm. If that's what you feel is Bible, then that's one thing. But if it's going the opposite direction of what the Bible says, then there's something wrong. We're easily influenced. Peer pressure is tough when you're a kid especially when you're a teenager, but it doesn't go away. And I've preached in many places where I had to eat alone <laughs> at noon, and I've had to choose the influence. I chose Jack Hiles as my pastor and influencer. I chose, I did not choose Jerry Falwell. I chose character over talent. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Doug Oldham sang songs, sang the Sunday special for Jerry Falwell, he was paid $10,000 a week to do that. He was still a Nazarene preacher. Um, and talent was the, was, was what they, was the, their push. Well, I love what brother house did. Uh, that's why we learned to play the piano. We learned to play the instruments. You're developing character. The music is not soundtracks. The music is a d developing character. So I loved, I loved the old fashioned preaching, but I loved the substance. And uh, so I, uh, I, I think the young men are choosing men who are not uh, of, of the old generation, the old days. They're, they're not the same. It's a different DNA. Right. right. Definitely to watch the uh, direction. I remember hearing the same thing and doing the same thing. That's why I, I connected to you years ago. Here's a preacher that's winning souls and building a church and helping people. And then uh, you got four kids and they're serving God. And, uh, and um, hey, that's where I want to be. And so I don't think we see that. And um, people don't realize where they're going to end up following somebody that really <laughs> many times doesn't know where they're going. Uh, they're making it up as they go. So um, I know sometimes people attack things sometimes uh, like, okay, uh, Bob Gray believes uh, one, two, three, repeat after me. Uh, what would you uh, say to that? I have never in my life <laughs> said one, two, three, pray after me. I don't know of anyone uh, who says one, two, three, pray after me. When, when, the guy, when, we, when I was jumped on years ago about, about repentance and, uh, and people tried to make an issue out of it, I, I had been sold with every one of those men. And we did exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, we took the scripture, explained it. Do you understand that? And my thing is you're, you're dealing with the mind. 
first. And then you've got to get the, the they're, they're in, in darkness. They have a veil over their eyes. So I use a scripture, explain it. And then I go all the way through. And then I say, let's review. Do you, yep. you remember what I said? You understand? I want to make sure they understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And so I've never, I, the only time I've heard one, two, three prayer after me was from, from guys that I didn't know. I, I, and I thought, I've never been sold to him. How does he know that about me? Yeah. It is amazing. Um, I, I would, I didn't uh, know this guy personally. I heard in college, someone did this. They printed off John three sixteen like on a um, eight and a half by 11 and just the verse on one line. And then they cut it all up. So they had these little bitty strips with the verse on it. They would go around and say, uh, Hey, read this verse. Uh, do you believe that? Well, yeah. Okay. You're saved. And he marked him down as a number, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, that's one college kid out of, you know, how many, and, um, but it's amazing. We get branded with that. I know when I go through the problem of salvation, it's, you know, point one, make sure, like you said, explain it. Then before you go to point two, you make sure they know point one, then you repeat point one and two, then you repeat point one, two, and three, then you repeat point one, two, three, and four, that, that education, that uh, repetition, key to learning, and then say, okay. And then I go through and ask them and fill in the blank. Number one, we're all what, you know? And so they've got to answer the questions. Then even when we pray, we're praying the same thing, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I deserve hell. And so you go through the whole thing. And if they don't get it with that, I think before God, I can say, God, I did everything I could. <laughs> I mean, they would have heard it three, four, five times. Now, you know, when I was at Hiles Anderson, it, we put the reports out and sold safe. But I, as a, as a senior, I sat there and said, no, 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 no. I'm going to, my number is going to be baptism. And I remember sitting in the back of the chapel and saying, no, I'm going to add something to mine. And I'm going to add the number of baptisms. And to me, it was the numerical. I'm an accountant. Okay. You can <laughs> everything I do is numbers. I, I can't help it. I, but anyway, I, I said, ah, oh, this makes sense. If I, you tell me how many baptisms you have, I'll tell you how many you're winning. If you tell me how many baptisms you have, I can tell you how many Sunday school classes you can have. So to me, it was the focal point. And uh, so I, I, I became and, and all my ministry has, has been, and somebody said, I led so so to Christ. Are they coming Sunday? <laughs> it's, it's always a little bit more. Well, it's amazing. The Great Commission is not just show them how to go to heaven. Um, no. You know, that, no. that's not the Great Commission. That's part of it. But uh, we have to get through the rest of it. And I know you've seen this before, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, um, it's amazing when you look at addition versus multiplication, um, you know, being the numbers guy. You know, if you lead one person to Christ, and train that one to win one. If you see that scale of where it goes, I think the whole world's led to Christ in 25 or something years. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable if you win one and train them to win one, and then they win one and train to win one. The, the exponent of that, it, it is just through the roof. And that's why it's a great commission. It's not just leading to Christ, just get them baptized and teach them all things. Now, you know, a pastor said to me, I'm so frustrated with my people. And I said, but you ought to be frustrated with yourself. <laughs> but you ought to look in the mirror and, yeah. and, and get onto yourself. If you didn't have a baptism yourself on Sunday, that's the person I would get mad at is me. I would yeah. look in the mirror and say, come on now, come on now. I, I wouldn't get mad at the people. I'd get mad at myself. It, yeah. Think about it. If you have 52 baptisms in one year, 26 stick, you're on your way. Absolutely. Um, so can we put too much pressure on people to go soul winning? Answer is no. <laughs> there's water pressure. There's blood pressure. And uh, those are all relevant uh, figures. 
stats. And to me, I, I, if I'm to go soul winning, then everybody else that's saved in my church is supposed to go. Now, this is where I get myself in trouble. Because on Wednesday night, I had 12 sections of lower floor, 10 sections of balcony. I would go section by section by section. Here's what I would say at the end of the Bible study. Look, I'm going tomorrow night. I would, I would not preach out of town on Thursday. I was home. Uh, and I would say, I'm going tomorrow. I need your help. How many of this section will help me tomorrow night? Stand up, stand up. And I went section by section to do that. I put the pressure on. Here's what I discovered through the years. I would preach somebody out in Podunk Junction. He had 30. And I, he'd tell me about his ministry. He said, this is amazing. He said, we gave $100,000 to missions last year. Mm. I said, what? I said, you're running 30. I gave up. We gave $100,000. I said, why? He said, because I put the pressure on. Yeah. And then it dawned on me, hey, that does make sense. So why don't I go back and put pressure on soul winning? If if why? Because there's a hell. There's a hell. And I've got to have have your help. Let, let me tell you, uh, interject here something. I had a guy in Ohio call me. Brother Gray, he did, he said, I'm not going to tell you my name. I said, Well, this is a good conversation starter. <laughs> he said, How many do you keep? Real smart LAB. How do you keep? I said, I keep what you keep. He said, you don't know me. I said, you don't know me. I said, uh, you keep one out of 10. I keep 10 out of 100. Nobody keeps any more than anybody else. It's just the matter that I work harder. Absolutely. Well, and that is a question I was going to ask you later, you know, when people ask, where are they all? And there's, I think, a Bible uh, illustration for that, uh, Dr. Gray. Yes. Brother, Brother Howes preached a sermon, Where Are the Nine?, and he preached at the National Bus Conference. Before that sermon was preached, he called me one day and said, can I talk to your record secretary? I said, absolutely. <laughs> to her. Then he got a hold with his record secretary, and he came up with that little booklet, Where Are the Nine? And in the, he called me back later, and he said, well, he said, I've got it all together. I'm going to send it to you so you can read it because your name's in it. And he said, uh, Brother Gray, it's astounding. That's the word he used. It's astounding. I said, what do you mean? He said, the percentages are identical to each other, age bracket wise, because they were jumping up for baptizing children. And he said, Brother Gray, they are, the percentages are identical. And he said, I'm going to preach that sermon, Where Are the Nine, at the bus conference, because you got yourself in trouble. And he said, I'm tired of getting you out of trouble all the time. <laughs> um, it is amazing how we can get in trouble, not trying to just literally standing for the Bible, preaching, teaching and things that's right. And, and if people could realize, and I know you have this too. And so since it's on soul winning, I thought I would tell, tell this, cause we're talking about that church at Fort Bragg. Um, I surrendered that guy preached. I surrendered that morning to go win souls. The problem mm -hmm. was I was still very much in the world. So the church went out soul winning on Thursday and on Friday and Saturday night, I was in the clubs. And, um, and so I like, wow, how am I going to, what happens if on Friday I see someone at the club I witnessed to on Thursday at church soul winning? Oh, I, I can't do that. So going soul winning got me out of the bars. <laughs> then I witnessed to someone that didn't get saved. And I was so bothered by that. I started praying for them every day that they would be saved. Surrendering to go soul winning got me to, to pray. Then wow. I witnessed to somebody, they asked a question. I didn't know the answer to, so I had to go to the Bible and find the answer. <laughs> Witnessing to people got me in the Bible. And okay. then uh, I invited someone to church. I said, yeah, I'm going to come sometime. Well, I didn't come every week. What happens if I invited him to come and he, the week he comes, I didn't come. So now I got to come to church every week. I made one decision to win souls. It got me 
out of the clubs, not drinking, studying the Bible, praying, and in church every Sunday. And so the benefit is not just for the people to get saved, but how Brother Howell said, I do not use my people to build my work. I use my work to build my people. And the growth is not just in the person that got saved, but the growth is in the person who is winning people to Christ. And at that church, (laughs) every Wednesday night, all right, who's going soul winning uh, tomorrow? Uh, No, no, he would do it, I think, on Sunday. And he said, all right, how many people went soul winning last week? Stand up. All right. Why, where were you? Why didn't you go? Why didn't you go? Why didn't you go? All right. How many are going soul winning this week? Stay standing. <laughs> All right. Who else is going soul winning this week that didn't go last week? Stand up. All right. It. And um, and it was pressure. And I there's so it. many times on Thursday, I didn't want to go soul winning, but I made a commitment. I was going to go. And then when you go, you're glad that you went. So, you know, we don't like that pressure. But when you look at the things that matter, right, whoever's going to be in this final four basketball, how much pressure? Are they put on by that coach, by that team, by the media? And the ones that respond well to that pressure are the ones that are able to win. And in finance or business or anything, that's the way the world is. But when it comes to the most important thing in the world, the eternal souls of men, oh, no, no, don't pressure people to do that. They call you Jim Jones, but they don't call Coach K Jim Jones. Yeah. And I I hate Duke. They beat Michigan State, and I'm not happy. So um, one other little thing on this, as far as talking about pressure, and I, I preached a sermon called Barefoot Soldiers. I was in the military and grew up on a farm. And, uh, we put the yes, sermon. you did. You had it in, in your magazine. And so um, I won't go through the whole thing, but just um, when you are putting on the armor of God, imagine uh, if you don't have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so I explain as a military guy going through, you got all your equipment, but they wouldn't give you boots. How effective would you be if you didn't have boots on? I'm going to go through all the things. I won't teach that now. But one of the things in it says feet shod, feet shod. And so I explained the difference. I have my military jump boots there and usually use one of my kids and then flip-flops, you know, flip-flops, you slip them on, you slip them off. Okay. But if it's shod, that horse is shot, it's nailed in there. Okay. Uh, they're nailed. You don't take them off. You sleep with your boots on. You, you're ready to win souls all the time. How come? Because they're shod. And then the other thing, what happens if a horse won't take the horseshoes? They're stubborn. Many of them don't want to do that. Okay. My cousin, first cousin sells, um, horse tack, they call it. And I asked him if I could uh, buy uh, one of the twisters from him. And he just gave it to me. I told him what I was using it for. And so um, this twister is a long wooden uh, stick about this long. And on the end of it, it has a metal chain on it. And if a horse won't take a shoe, here's pressure. They take that metal chain and put it around their soft nose. A horse has a very soft nose. They put it around their soft part of their nose and they twist it. And when you're twisting on their nose, they don't care what you're doing to their foot. They will let themselves be shod. And so, so that's the word the Bible used, feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. So it's not slip on and slip off. It's supposed to be all the time. And if you don't take the shoe, talk about pressure. That's the pressure <laughs> that, uh, that they use. So anyway, um, it, it is a big deal. So some people criticize easy believism. Uh, how would you respond to that? Well, uh, when you look at the words that are spoken on the cross with the thief on the cross, there are only nine words. There was nine words response. It, it is, uh, it's not a biblical founded attack. Uh, I'm looking, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people under conviction. Amen. John 12, 32, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Does not say that all men will get saved, but it does say that he'll draw. So I know the Holy Spirit's working. Now, for whosoever will may come, they have a will. 
They can choose to or choose not to. I want to give bring them to the point of a decision. And so when I bring that to that point, it's their decision, not mine. Amen. So when I get to that point, as you choose heaven or choose hell, now it's up to you. I, I can't do that for you, but it's up to you. So uh, that's that's the way a soul winner would, would, would approach Amen. it. I'm looking for people under conviction. I'm looking for the Philippian jailer. I'm looking for Lydia, whose heart got his touch. Yeah. I'm looking for the thief on the cross. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you about baptism, is the way they say it, because uh, you're going to hold me up from getting to the next door. And I don't want to keep going. Absolutely. As you would always say, no conviction, no conversion. And uh, it's amazing. You quoted um, that verse, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And in our praise and worship, they take, oh, just lift up Jesus, just lift up Jesus. And they don't read the rest of that verse or the verse right. right after this. He said, signifying what death he would die. If I be lifted up from the earth, he's talking about the cross, but brother Gray, I can't count how many people I've started to witness to that weren't interested, that didn't want me to be there, that uh, wish I would leave, but you use some skills to be able to get them to talk um, and get them open and start asking questions. And now they feel like they're stuck, but something happens when you get to point number three, Hey, we're sinners. We deserve hell. They got that. Number three, Jesus died for you. And when you go through that cross and you explain what Jesus did with that crown of thorns and the beard plucked out and the nails in his hands and his feet and the whips in his pack. And I get choked up now just talking about it. when I've explained that to people, people who weren't interested five minutes ago, guess what? Exactly. If I be lifted up, no. This he said, this he said, signifying with death. When you start talking about the cross, people that aren't interested get interested. <laughs> That's the word of God, the conviction. And they realize Jesus did this for them. And I wonder how many people um, are not saved because someone said, oh, he's not interested. And they never got to the point of getting the cross to them. You don't know. Now, the Bible says, commit thou to faithful men. Paul speaking to Timothy. I'll go as far as they'll let me go. Absolutely. I'll knock the door down. I'm, I'm looking. Now, I, I tell my partner when I go, I said, look, now you're a silent partner for the first one. And I'll do the talking. Then we'll reverse it. But the real silent partner is the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And we have the Holy Spirit's going to have to come in here. When you put your finger on the verse, I want the Holy Spirit to put his finger on their heart. Amen. Absolutely. Well, no, it is. And, you know, the, like you said, thief on the cross. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple than that. He was a no. malefactor. He's mocking Jesus a few right. minutes ago, talking about a hard, hard case. But right. he sees Jesus. Lord, remember me when thou enters into thy kingdom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so that's how simple it is. And when I go through the plan of salvation, a lot of times I'll say, uh, like you're thinking, Pastor, is it really that simple? I said, honestly, it's more simple than that. Right. I probably make it too complicated. Let me tell you what Jesus told Nicodemus. And then you quote John 3, 16. Yes. That's how simple. That's what Jesus told him. And like you say, is it hard to believe? You know, and so prayer does not save. And I say that often. Yeah. Prayer is communication. The attorney says to the judge, I pray the court. He's saying, please, can I speak? And so when you pray, it's not the words you pray. I believe some are saved. They open up their soul. And Amen. Jesus comes in at an invitation time before they even come to the altar. Uh, it's word is communication. So uh, it's by faith. Through faith. Amen. Amen. I was just going to ask you that. So that, that's great. Um, just a couple more um, things. So um, Dr. Oz used to talk about soul consciousness. Um, it seems like we've lost that concept. Uh, does it seem, how could we regain that? Well, here, here's, I, I have several things I teach over and over again. Number one, go person to person. I say to them, doors don't get saved. Hours don't get saved. Door hangers don't get saved. You got to go person to person and then 
from from that you want to go to family to family or unit to unit. Mm. So when I lead somebody to Christ, now for example, I, I get on I got on a flight early. Uh, I got up at one thirty to get to the airport, catch a flight, and whoever's sitting next to me is is Ephesians two ten. It's ordained. <laughs> So they're going to get the gospel, whether they want it or not. Now, what they do with it, it's up to them. But right. to me, it's an appointment. And and I say I say they shouldn't be sitting there if they didn't want the gospel. I mean, <laughs> because I get a different travel agent. But anyway, I uh, I, I whoever's there, whatever opportunities. I, now, sometimes people are just not interested, and that's fine. Uh, but I I want to be joyful. I want to be. Uh, I probably cut up too much for the baker. I, I probably do, but. I, I tried to, I was on a plane one time flying to Washington, D.C., and a lady came by and she was handing out drinks. And the guy next to me said he wanted to Bloody Mary. And I said, uh, well, God bless her. I didn't know she was hurt. And uh, the stewardess <laughs> started laughing. And she said, what would you like? Well, I said, do you have a wounded Susie or anything next? <laughs> and she laughed. And I'd already passed out tracks now. So the plane went up and it went over the left, over the right, and it dropped like that. And she spilled liquor on my tie. And she was a pastor, pastor. I am so she started doing it. I said, no, 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 no. Let me let me lick it for a while. I'll get I'll take care of it. And the guy next to me started laughing. And uh, he said, Man, I didn't know you preachers knew how to have fun. I said, I finished licking this tie. We're really gonna have some fun. <laughs> and I led that guy to Christ. He was cold. He was not, uh, and I, Brother Hiles had this way about him to put you at ease, um, and he didn't win people because of his personality or his humor or anything like that. He just, as I mentioned, the, the sign of partner is the Holy Spirit, but if you're an old grouch, you're absolutely. <laughs> I'll go door and say, you don't want to get saved, do you? Uh, I mean, that, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things you said that are so good. Like you said, doors don't get saved. People are oh. used to. Uh, saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you to every person who comes along. But when you catch somebody on the side of the road or someone's outside washing their car, I, I, there's nowhere to run. They don't know what to say. I love that. Have, you, oh, touch, you touch like, cause I, I, this will sound terrible, but it's going to be on record. Now I hate <laughs> going door to door. I hate going door to door, but I love going person to person. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. When we go and I teach the guys that I'm, I'm training and, and said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look for people and because uh, people get saved and, and it's amazing. Their guards down, they're not ready for it. And, yeah. and, and there is something to, you know, a plan of salvation. There is something to the way you approach them and are able to help that. Just like you said, the, um, your personality doesn't get saved, but if you are hateful to people, they're not going to want to talk to you. If you're friendly, kind, funny, Hey, they'll listen to you. And now you get to the cross conviction comes and now they get saved. And so it's that, it's that commission, you know, it's us with God, it's us with the Holy spirit and God uses uh, people to be able to do that. So um, I was just going to comment on one thing we talked about in the past, but just to sort of clarify, you have gone soul winning. This is years ago. And I don't know if it's still out there, but the guys who criticized you for quote, easy believism and one, two, three, pray after me and, and things there, you have gone soul winning personally with them. And by what you said, you guys, you do it the exact same way. Is that correct? Absolutely. And when, when there was this big fuss about, if you don't repent of all your sins and turn your back on all you, is you turn from what you believe is saving you to the person who is saving you. Amen. It, was, it was the only biblical definition that I understood through the years. And all of a sudden, some of these guys started, and I love them. Please don't understand. It's not a battle now. It's all right. Over. right. But 
I, I would, I would shake my head and I would say, I've been with that guy. I was yeah. so with him. He does just exactly the way I do. Why are they jumping on me? And, uh, and so on. One fellow was so bold as to say, Curtis Hudson's in hell. If he believed what repentance, now, that, wow. it, it was, the, it became absurd. Yeah. And anyway, if there's anything out like that, um, you know, that, that is not the case and it's not true. And, but it's amazing how people will fight, um, just to fight sometimes. So, uh, one last question then we're going to talk about, uh, some things that you're doing now and how we can help people. So how can a pastor, I think you pretty much already answered this, but how can a pastor lead his church to be a soul winning church? Let, let me uh, say, say this. I, I think I'm a numbers guy. Please, please forgive me. I'm a numbers guy. But I discovered after studying myself, uh, I had 29 years. Every Sunday, I had a convert down the aisle and baptized. Now, I got double pneumonia, and I was out for six weeks. And, of course, that, that ceased, that record <laughs> that ceased. But I, I lived for that. Uh, now, here's, here's, here's what works. 15 for me, for me. Give 15 soul winning presentations in one seven-day period. I'm not saying they all get saved, but go from A to Z. And by Saturday night, my goal was to have five lined up to come with me on Sunday morning. On an average, two would come. And on an average, one would get baptized. Now, the secret to that is I'm loading the wagon because I've got from last week, the ones that didn't come are potentials for this week. So then I do it again and do it again, and do it again. And after a while, it's what I call loading the wagon. I had a lot of names of uh, people, potentials. Now, again, commit thou to faithful men. People have to learn how to read people. If you knock on a door of a convert that did not come, and he rolls his eyes and looks up in the sky, and I am looking at you, and he's kind of shaking his head, no, he doesn't want you back. So what I do is I say, look, here's my phone number. Call me when you need me. I ain't going back. My time's too valuable. I'm not going back. Right. And, I, and so then the next door I knock on, the guy sheepishly says, oh, pastor, I know I told you to come. I am so sorry. I should have come. I'll come next week. Now I'm coming back after that guy. Yeah. So it's up to them. Soul winning, I go as far as they let me go. Coming to church, I go as far as they let me go. Baptism, I go as far as they'll let me go. Coming back, I go as far as they let me go. That's beautiful. No, that's perfect. You mentioned uh, not arguing with people. Uh, I got one story since we're on soul winning to tell. It's to me the craziest one that ever happened to me. I'm in Cook County Hospital I'm in Bible College. We get to go up there for an hour, witness to the people. We had we had ID cards that allowed us to go from bed to bed and talk to people. And so I was witnessing to one guy, and uh, he just wanted to argue. He just wanted to argue. I said, "Look, I don't have time for this. If you want to know, I'll show you." He already gave the wrong answer. He wasn't saved, and so he started arguing again. I said, "I'm sorry, sir. Read the track. I need to go." And I turned around, and his buddy said, "Yeah, you just don't want to talk to him because he knows more about." Bible than you do. And uh, just to, you know, pop that pride. And uh, I stopped and I started to turn around. I'm going to go eat this guy's lunch. He does not know what he's talking about. And I realized, no, devil just wants me to argue with him. The next door I went to, I looked in, there's a Chicago police officer sitting there and there was a man laying in the bed who was cuffed to the bed. And I said, officer, I'm with the light bears and we're here to talk to people about the Lord. Do you mind if I talk to your uh, inmate? Yeah, he needs, he just killed somebody. 
I looked at him and he said, yes, I just uh, killed somebody. And um, I said, can I talk with him? He said, yes. So I came in. And so I started witness to the guy that was in the bed, the guy, uh, police officer just reading a book or something, not paying attention. When I got to Revelation 21, eight, I explained to him um, uh, murderers. I said, sir, that's you. He said, yes, that is. When I got to all liars, I said, officer, I said, that puts you and I in that category. Also, he put his book down and he listened, the police officer and the murderer both trusted Christ as their wow. savior. As soon as I got done, I looked at my watch, like I got to go. And I ran down four or five flights of stairs. I was the last one on the bus. I almost missed the bus. And I'm sitting there going, wow, okay, I made it. I made it. And then it hit me. What would have happened if I would have stayed and argued with that guy that popped my pride? He just knows more than you, that police officer. And that murder would not have been saved. And, and um, it's amazing. It just hit me. And I just sat there and just started weeping like, Lord, thank you. And I probably didn't get the best of me because it is, it is such a big deal how people want to do that and would have missed that. So, um, all right, so we need to move her too. You know, for example, I had a lady, oh man, this is 40 years ago. She, uh, they're uh, both in heaven now, but the wife, I started witnessing to her. She said, hold it. You're a Baptist, right? Yes, ma'am. She said, is it true you Baptists don't believe in dancing? And I said, that's a great question. I said, would you remind me when I get done? And I'll be glad to answer. <laughs> a little bit later, she hold it. You're a Baptist, right? Yeah. You Baptists don't believe in smoking, do you? I said, you know, that's a great question. Why would you, when we get done here, you will you remind me? And so I could, she must interrupt me five, six times. So I got down to the end. She prayed. He prayed. They invited Christ in their heart. And both got into church, got baptized, ran a bus route taught Sunday school. And it was like 10 years later, she said, it just dawned on me. You never did answer me. <laughs> it is amazing how the devil will try to stir things up to stop him from getting saved. And that's all it is. It's the devil and a distraction. And so for people to know how to uh, do those things are a big deal. So our time is um, about up. So Dr. A, you're writing books, you're preaching, you're counseling, helping people, pastors. Uh, you're also teaching some courses. Is that right? Yes, Independent Baptist Online College is six years old. We've got over 1,400 students. I, I finished a, a course on Leviticus, of all things, and I've I three course three courses on Sunday school. And I, 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 I love the fact, Mrs. Hiles said to me that her husband, Dr. Hiles, was Sunday school from day one, all the way through. And I tried to pay attention when I was in Hammond. Uh, we had 800 Sunday school classes in the early 70s, and they averaged 20, 25 apiece. And I learned that about his Sunday school. Now, the college was different. The C, the D, the E, the, uh, the bus routes were different. The A bus routes were like 20, 25. Jojo Moffat Roy, they were the only nuts on the on the planet. They'd run 75 to 100. But uh, the I, I taught that series on uh, those three courses on Sunday school because it's just the nuts and bolts of it. This college has, is, is amazing to me. Uh, our average ministry experience is 30 years. We decided not to bring, if some guy graduated top of his class in May, uh, most colleges will put him on the faculty in the fall and give him an outline to teach. We decided not to do that. We felt like that we needed experience teaching the young men and young women and old men and old women. We've got a lot of older students who are trying to finish up. But I love, I love teaching. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm able to do so. I'm 76 as a taping of this thing. And so I got one foot in a grave and another banana peel, but I, buddy, I'm going to keep going. Amen. So uh, how many courses have you taught and what is your goal for the college to be able to teach? I've heard you mention a few uh, times. Oh my goodness. My goal is for every book of the Bible 
to be clearly taught on the, on the concept. And we're on our way. We're on our way. And uh, the courses that I, I've, I've taught about 10 courses for the college, I'm teaching more. I'm working on Exodus right now to get, I want to get every book of the Bible there where a layman or a preacher can open it up video wise and get in there. And if he wants to study, if a Sunday school teacher is teaching a lesson, she wants to learn a little bit something. And I'll tell you something else. I'm excited about the college. We've got these lay leadership courses that allow a layman who's not necessarily interested in getting a degree, but on specific subjects that will help them to be better lay leaders in their, in their area. And so I am really excited uh, about that. We've got a great faculty, Dr. Tom Wallace, 92 years of age. I just preached. I didn't preach with him, but I came and preached first. He came and preached second uh, up in Delaware and uh, amazing. Just absolutely. Amazing. He wins souls everywhere he goes. Amen. It is. It is awesome. So uh, we're going to close this. Um, we want, since we talked about soul winning, I do want to mention one thing. If you would like to learn more and to be a better soul winner, or if some people listening, you've never led a soul to Christ, uh, let's help you. Okay. Let's help you. Uh, that knowledge breeds confidence. You don't have to have the scores. You can do like the woman at the well and just go tell everybody what happened to you. That's fine. Um, but if you want to get more knowledge, understanding, um, when you know how to, a lot of people are afraid, Dr. Gray, oh no, what happens if I'm into a Jehovah's Witness and I don't know what to say, then all you got to say is that's a good question. Let me uh, find the answer and I'll get back with you. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Um, but people are afraid about that. So uh, we have a personal evangelism uh, class in our college and I uh, have the privilege to teach that and love it. It's my favorite class. And so you can go to ibaptistcollege.org and take that for credit. Um, and if you want it, Oh, you're just trying to make money from it. You're right. If someone takes that course, I do get a couple of dollars from it. Okay. But um, if you want it for free, here you go. Okay. The personal evangelism class, I taught it in our Bible Institute. I give it away for free. All of our teenagers have gone through it. Most of our church has gone through it. It's amazing. So you can go to our Bible Institute, familybaptistbibleinstitute.com. And when you uh, start here, that will be on your class record for free. Okay. Just when you get a course there. So it's not going to cost you anything. If you want it for credit, take at the college. If you want it for free, you can go to the Bible Institute, familybaptistbibleinstitute.com and get that. Um, and Dr. Gray and I were talking about before this, the most fun thing for me is honestly getting to think about training people all over the world to win souls. And there's just nothing better than that. We would love to give that to you as a gift. Uh, so Dr. Gray, any uh, closing thoughts on this? Yeah, I'd like uh, to put a plug in. I've got a, a go Kmart blue light special. I'd like <laughs> Absolutely. Go I, for I, it. I do ministry moments every Friday, three o'clock central time. You can go to YouTube, Ministry Moments, Bob Gray Sr. You can subscribe and you'll get it every every week. Very brief, very much to the point and point one, point two, point three, but very practical. And you can also go to solvechurchproblems.com, solvechurchproblems.com. And there are all kinds of tools in there that will help you. And uh, I hope you take, we can curse the internet or we can use the internet. And I decided we're going to use it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brother Baker, for oh, allowing me to be part of the podcast. I was just getting ready to say thank you for being willing to come on this. And uh, hopefully we can encourage and help some people out there uh, to win souls. It's so much fun when people get to win their first soul to Christ. Seems like every week someone in our church got to lead their first soul to Christ. And and the joy and excitement, I remember with each of my children when I got to help them to lead their first soul to Christ and they get bit with it. And uh, the most fun thing I could do now is listen to my kids lead someone to Christ. It's just like, wow, boy, 
it's so neat and fun to watch and do that. And so uh, we'd love to help you to be able to do that or to just to get more skilled uh, to iron sharpen iron and to help you to do that. So, um, Dr. Gray, thank you for coming on. I appreciate that. God bless you, your ministry, and your books and your courses. And uh, glad I you are. Any black on this. Send, send it to me. <laughs> yes. All right. Any flag? Go to Dr. Gray. So, all right. God bless you guys, and uh, you. we will we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.